Hey, this is Dave Broadbeck. I'm your instructor. Unless you're not just listening to this for fun because you're some kind of person who listens to university lectures for fun. I was going to insult you. I decided against it. So person who's listening to this for fun, I'm not going to insult you. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Dave Broadbeck uh, here at Oklahoma University, and you're about to listen to a lecture from uh, the fall 2023 term of Psychology 3106, Animal Behavior. It's what the cool kids study in school. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell there. Hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, I still get paid, so I don't really care. Well, it's my way, on the highway. It's what she said to me, it's why I'm gone. To send see that's right, I'm on the next flight. To where the lights will never sleep at all. Just you drive me crazy. So today, um, we're talking about genetics, uh, and basically, this is a lot of this is stuff you know. A lot of these slides you may have seen before. Uh, I've taught a lot of them before, so uh, you'll have seen some of these. Uh, but it's to get us to the same place. This is a genetics course, but if we're going to understand how inheritance works, we have to talk about genetics a bit, right? So that's what we're going to do today. Um, so first of all, it's genetics and behavior because we're talking about behavior. So uh, it's very hot. I'm just saying it's very hot. So, so for behavior to be affected by natural selection, some variation in behavior must be inherited. Of course. Um, if not, the characteristics couldn't be passed on. And things have to be able to be passed on for us to them to evolve, to be, to be affected by evolution, right? So they couldn't contribute to, uh, to fitness. And remember, if, if you know this, I, I shouldn't say remember because I mean I don't know this, but fitness just means reproductive success. It doesn't mean big and strong like a bull. It often does, but it doesn't have to. Uh, it often just means, it just means reproductive success. So something couldn't evolve without any variance in genetics. So only heritable, genetically transfer, transferable, uh, Variation, transmitted variation, could be affected by selection. Nothing else. Can't be affected by evolution. So there are traits that we have, and we can be any animal here, or any plant, or anything, um, that aren't genetically transmitted, therefore they can't be affected by selection. They can affect fitness. Right? So if you think about something like the clothes, we'll use people here because it's easy to pick up examples. The clothes people wear, or the music they listen to. Is there probably some genetic component to that? Yeah, probably something. But mostly, but those things can be attractive to people, right? You often meet people at, you might meet somebody at a, see an event, at a show, right? And you like, you meet them, it's like, well, already have something in common. They must like that band, right? When I first met my wife, we went to a, a we were with a bunch of friends, and we went to a movie, a whole bunch of us, and we both hated the movie. And it's 35 years later, so that worked. Um, normally 
like Coen Brothers movies, but Blood Simple, garbage. So, that affected my fitness, but it isn't genetically transferable. My dislike of that movie. So, this is a quote from Donald Hebb, and Donald Hebb is the grandfather, we would say, I think pretty clearly, or father, of behavioral and cognitive neuroscience, which is kind of a big thing. And he's, in, he's at uh, McGill University in Montreal. Um, he was Brenda Milner's PhD supervisor. She was the other person who invented cognitive and behavioral neuroscience. And he would say that, he said that trying to determine how much of a behavior is due to the environment and how much is due to genetics is like trying to determine how much the area of a field is caused by its length and how much is caused by its width. As I think, I hope you can gather just by looking at that statement, it's a stupid thing. Like what causes a field to be big? Well, it's really wide. Well, what if it's a really thin field, <laughs> right? You, you can't have one without the other. You can't have length without width. You can't have genes without an environment. You can't have an environment without genes that made the environment happen. Okay? Right. So what he's saying is nature versus nurture, nurture is a giant waste of your time. So remember that you often heard of the nature-nurture environment, right? Is that caused by genes? Is that caused by the environment? What Hab is saying here is, no, that's a dumb question. He's actually saying it's a dumb question. Um, this is one of these things that it's, people can be right, wrong, or not even wrong. You'll hear sometimes you'll hear scientists say that's not even wrong. It's just, it's a, and that's what this is. It's not even wrong to argue with nature and nurture. It's just ridiculous. Okay? You see that point? It's a subtle point. The funny thing is people in biology go, huh, and? And people, a lot of times, especially in the, week, the other day, we talked about sort of the idea of social sciences. A lot of people in so-called so social sciences don't like this. So this is called the interaction principle. This is the idea that they both work together. Now, you might say, Dave, I've heard you can calculate something called heritability. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. So the heritability of human height is 0.8. What that means is, if we were to take the variance in height in humans, okay, and we took the variance in their genetics, there's about 80% overlap. That doesn't mean that 80% of your height is caused by genes. It means there's 80% overlap. It's a subtle difference. So it doesn't mean that 80% of my height, so up to here, was from my parents, and the rest, that's the environment. <laughs> it's not, the world isn't that simple. Though I'm literally exactly the same height my dad was, but whatever. So some terms I just want to lay out. I'm never going to put these on a test. They will, uh, I should say that. They might show up, but for the most part, they wouldn't. Um, but yeah, gene probably could show up in a test. A gene, what is a gene? A gene is just the simplest unit of, of heritability. That's an operational definition. There's also a definition you can use that involves start and stop codons. How many people here have taken genetics? A couple yet? Okay, we're not using that definition because it's not worth it. <laughs> and it actually ends up being the same anyway. The, your genotype is all your genes. 
Again, you as any animal, plant, fungus, doesn't matter what. Phenotype. That's your outward characteristics. That includes behavior. A lot of people leave that out. So it includes behavior. It's just your outward characteristics. So I am roughly six foot one. I have uh, strikingly platinum blonde hair and steel blue eyes. Which is my, you know, my phenotype. Chromosome. Uh, you know what? The, we don't have to worry too much about that here. Basically, they're in the cell nucleus and they're bundles of genes. It's, it's, that's, and typically, you get two, you get pairs of chromosomes. And on each chromosome, there are different places. And there's a, here's a nice Latin word for place, locus. That's where we get the word location, and local, and locale, and other things. And that's why when it's locus, and then we talk about it with, uh, we pluralize it, we get loci. A lot of people say loci. There's no soft C in Latin, so it'll be loci. And in fact, because it's spelled L-O-C-I-I, it's loci. Okay, I took Latin for four years, and I'm kind of proud of it, okay? Just kind of proud of it. So that's just a part, a place on a gene. An allele, which I probably should do the second thing, this is an alternate form of a gene. There's different forms of genes, of course. If there weren't, we'd all look exactly the same. Okay. Yeah, we're all made up of genes, and they're all exactly the same. Then we'd all look and behave and think exactly the same. We don't. So there's alternate forms of genes. That's something. These couple here could easily show up on a, on a definition thing, on a test. I don't know about these. Eh, maybe those. Chromosome, I wouldn't do that. Locus, probably not. Diploid, and let's see, do we have haploid next up there? Yes. There are two, basic, in general, two kinds of cells we can talk about. There are haploid cells and diploid cells. Haploid cells have half the normal number of chromosomes. In other words, what they have are no pairs of chromosomes. They have individual chromosomes, right? That's a haploid cell. Half haploid. Diploid, die, too is the cells of most of us. So in fact, in humans, these are our sex cells, so eggs and sperm. This is the rest of us, diploid cells. And the other day I talked about how in fact with bees and ants, uh, wasps, hornets, uh, what else, aphids, yeah. The males are, are haploid and the females are diploid. In most animals, in all the other ones, there are, there are diploid and then their sex cells are haploid. But you all have haploid cells in you, but they're just, they're gametes, eggs or sperm, okay? Fun fact, women are born with all of their eggs, and men are not. They're constantly making sperm. Constantly, it's all we do. So, like, for example, like all the eggs, yep. do they contain the same no. DNA? No, because you have a brother or sister. Yeah, so yeah, okay, does it look exactly like you? No, but like, for like the haploid cells, is it the same? Yeah, but if they were the same, then also have a bunch of that, and they'll be the same, and they'll, they'll be identical twins of each other. No, exactly. So this is where a lot of variation, yes, one of the places variation comes in, is that, or that we are different, is simply because of that, that each sex cell is different. And it's not just the chromosomes that are different, it's bits of chromosomes are different, right? 
which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, gametes, that's sperm or egg, and they are always, uh, sorry, they're always haploid cells. A zygote is when a sperm and an egg get together. When daddy and mommy have been drinking. <laughs> Got a buddy who, he's told me, he knows this, his parents told him he is the celebration of a new fridge in 1965. But that's what he is, they were pretty excited about their new fridge, and they had a baby. <laughs> uh, recessive genes, well, let's, let's also bring up dominant next. So because you get two copies, Right, because you get some from your mom, some from your dad, half from your mom, half from your dad. So sometimes one gene dominates the other one allele. Sometimes I'll say gene and a lot of you'll see that in the literature. When I say different genes, one gene dominates another, I really mean allele. Right? So, and we'll talk about this in a sec, but uh, like brown eyes and blue eyes, like you know if you got if both your parents have blue eyes, you will have blue eyes, right? Then you can't have brown eyes if both your parents have blue eyes. Okay? Because the brown, if they both have blue, they have a certain genotype. They have two blue genes, two blue alleles. So you must get blue alleles from both of them. Brown dominates blue, so if you have one parent with brown, with if you have if you have one brown allele, you're going to get brown eyes. Oh, it's a little more complicated than that, but not completely. So I'm just letting you know now that yeah, sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll save that. Um, how is that true? My son has blue eyes. I have brown eyes. Yeah, that's fine. His dad has blue eyes. Yeah, that's fine. But you said brown, you dominate. Uh, no, but yes, but he was got a brown. Uh, a blue allele for you. You can have blue alleles. You have brown eyes, you said? I have brown eyes. Yeah, again, I just don't want to stare your eyes. So that means I can tell you what your genotype is. You have brown blue. And his dad has blue blue. So we got a blue from you and a blue from dad. Uh, blue, blue, yeah, blue from dad. Even the brown still has the blue? Yeah. Not always. You'll see in a sec. You can't have a, you can't have a kid with brown eyes with parents with blue. Both parents have blue eyes. Okay. That's genetically not a thing. I was afraid you were going to tell me the scenario of something I've heard before, which is somebody coming up to me after class and saying, yeah, but um, I've got brown eyes and both my parents have blue eyes. And I made the mistake of saying, oh, so you're adopted. Because <laughs> they must be. Or something else. So I actually, and this person said, no, I'm not adopted. I said, well, I'm going to ask you a couple of personal questions. Do your parents love you? I said, yeah. I said, then they're your parents. Because that's the answer, right? Because um, the other part of this is, did your mom really like somebody that your dad doesn't know about? <laughs> so we didn't want to have that discussion. But I mean, again, and that could be the case. You know, like I always say, your parents love you, then they're your parents. I've got a lot of friends who were adopted as kids and they don't talk about my real parents. They're, they got parents. They may say have biological parents and then their parents, right? Or birth parents, you hear that a lot. But yeah, the way you're talking about is totally possible and sensible and no, don't worry, <laughs> nothing bad's happened. Uh, you can be homozygous, this, is, this feeds right into it. Or heterozygous, when you're homozygous, you have two blue, for example. Or two brown. 
when you're heterozygous, like you must be, you would have blue and brown. Right? And I'm blue, blue. My eyes are blue. Though the, my eye color is caused by a genetic disorder, so which we'll get a little bit into. All right. Questions? You know those terms? Probably heard a lot of these before. Yes, John? So why the, so the uh, homozygous is the uh, blue eyes and the uh, heterozygous? Yeah, yeah uh, uh, kind of. Homozygous means homo, the same. Oh. Meaning you have two of the same. So if you had... Oh, yeah, what? Huh. That's crap. <laughs> Let's go with this. These are homozygous. See? Blue, blue, blue. Uh, brown, 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 brown. I think where you're getting at. Blue, yeah, because it's homo, the same. Hetero, different. These are different. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, we tell you about blue and brown, and we never tell you about green. So there's also green eyes, which are a little more, it gets a little complicated. Let's ignore this gene for a second, this gene, gay gene. Let's just look at HERC2. And so let's arbitrarily say, first we have father, then mother. This comes from dad and mom. So this is, what's your name? Krista. So we talk about Krista. Krista has brown eyes, but has a kid with blue eyes. So your, this is your genotype. Or this is your genotype. Or this is your genotype. <laughs> but none of these are. Because you have, uh, you said son? Yeah. Yeah? You have a son, how old is he? He's seven. Oh, that's so great. Great. They're great when they're seven. They get older. I have an 11 year old too. Yeah. That's the people are 22. He's in the league. These are just jokes, and barely at that. But, when we have, they're homozygous, right? Then heterozygous, if it's brown-blue, which it would be in this case, it's always going to have brown eyes, it being the kid, obviously. Homozygous for blue, ignoring these for a second, you'll end up with blue eyes. Now, the thing is, sometimes there's also another, there's a whole other gene we have to worry about here. So we also have to worry about what's happening in this gene here with the green and blue, both of them. Okay, so it's a little more complicated. Uh, this, this gene here, gay, has been changed because people don't like calling it, it's a gay gene. I'm serious, that's, so, I don't know. It's, it's just the name of a gene, but fine. It's now called iColor1, which is a much more boring, but actually better name. <laughs> it's a way better name because it actually describes it. That's on, I'm gonna get this right, chromosome 19. Uh, HERC2 is on chromosome 15 in humans. This is just a demonstration, and of course eye color doesn't affect your behavior, really. But this is just showing you what homozygous and heterozygous genotypes lead to. For example, and this shows you dominance and recessiveness. And things aren't always dominant and recessive, sometimes you get partial dominance, so you do get something between the two. It does happen. Usually when we talk about this or when you learn about this, let's say in biology in high school, you were told there's dominant and recessive and nothing else because it makes your life easier. It's easier to explain. But you, you can also have the, the like uh, partial dominance. And we'll talk about a case of that today, of a behavior control that way. Okay. Make sense? You're good. So here, I'm never going to test you on mitosis and meiosis. Are we in grade 10? Repeat? No, you probably know this already. This is how chromosomes from, they split up, and you get, look, two, and you get two cells, yay! This is how most of your cells are made. 
I wouldn't worry too much about this. Like I said, you've, you've, you, you learned this in high school, so I'm not gonna, you may have learned it in elementary school. This is the interesting one. Right, see there? There, meiosis. I'm never gonna test you on the names of the phases. I can't remember all of them. I know there's anaphase and metaphase, and I believe there's a typo in the slide that says meat phase. Anyway, somewhere there's a, on one of these two titles, there's a, a two slides, there's a title that mistakenly says meat phase. And I've never, I didn't notice it. Yeah, you get these slides, they don't make them yourself. You go into Google image search and you type in meiosis, and you go, oh, that's a good one. You look at the diagram, it's not bad. And then one day, about five years ago, someone said, it says meat phase. But I thought, no, I'm not changing these, I'm leaving it up. Probably the last one, let's see. Does this one say meat phase? It's in the brackets up top. Yeah. Oh, meat face. <laughs> there it is, right there, meat face. Well, cell meat is made of cells. Anyway, the important thing that's happening here, so you can see there's two pairs of chromosomes, or pairs of chromosomes, so two sets. Right, so here, here. We would think simplistically that what happens is, so, you know, chromosome one goes here, the other chromosome one goes here. Chromosome two goes here, the other two, chromosome two goes over here. That's not what happens. And you, you've taken genetics, so you would know this, and you probably should remember this from like high school biology, that what happens is not only do the two, um, not only do the chromosomes go off their own way, and you end up with eventually four daughter cells, the chromosomes themselves split up. So you might end up with something like, a second one's here. So there's one chromosome. Uh, so we're going to have a, a blue and a red when we start. Okay? But what ends up happening is it's not like the blue goes here and the red goes here. What happens is uh, it goes like this. So they split up and they recombine. This leads to a lot of variation. Right? This, this is why, for example, you're never going to look exactly like your brother or sister unless you're twins. Um, so this recombination is one of the great sources of variation in all but the very simplest of animals. Uh, I don't think there's any recombination in hydra. A lot of jellyfish-like things, things like that. That's what it is. Hydra even animals. Something else. Just loser animals. Kind of cool, they basically actually live forever, so. Anyway, point is, you get a lot of recombination, you get this recombination, so each sex cell's just a little bit different. All right. Mm. Good stuff, yes, John, you had a question? So, um, so the thing is, when taking a red or blue pill, uh, <laughs> compared to the matrix, things, that's what happens when they combine the two. If you combine the red pill and the blue pill, wouldn't you just not know what's going on because one cancels the other out? Yeah. yeah. But no, remember these aren't pills, eh? they're clone chromosomes. So, that recombination is a source of a lot of genetic variation. And like I said, I, just, I literally just said this sentence, so I can just skip that. Um, Mutation is the only, I've got an asterisk there because there are some sources of changes in, your, in, in, in uh, your geotype. There are small things, uh, things like epigenetics. They exist and we've always known it. Uh, so genes can be affected and things passed on, but the, the vast majority is mutation. Mutation is when 
See, these are going to be copies, eh? Remember that? We, got, we started with one set, one set, one cell, that, one set, and we get four daughter cells. Right? Okay, if that's the case, we do make a lot of copies. What happens when you copy a file a lot? What happens? What's something that's been bad that happens if you copy a file a lot? What happens? One set. Or, you ever use a cassette? most of your times, but I know it's also kind of coming back. But what happens is mistakes. Let's not even think about making a tape. What if you were just typing this in? What if you're typing out a slide and it says neat phase? That's a mistake. And if I don't catch it, now it's on a whole bunch of slides in different courses where I talk about genetics, which it is. The mistake gets propagated. Is that what you're going to say, John? That was a mistake? Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, um, good. When copying, you get plagiarism a lot. <laughs> well, that's a different kind of copy. You don't get arrested for it on multiple bootleg stuff. Well, you're not going to get arrested for plagiarism as much as I think that should be the case. Um, or expelled. Or expelled. See? It's my son. Um, but no, seriously, anything you copy, mistakes happen. Think about that. You write stuff down. For, how many times have we done this? Remember this in school? You'd be writing stuff down, and you finally, this is usually on the school, high school. You're writing up a, doing something on a quiz or something, and it was on the board. Do you ever, do your teacher ever do that? It's like a pop quiz, just write it up on a blackboard and say, go, or a whiteboard, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then you write the wrong question down. Like, you just write it going down wrong, and you hand it in, and you go, uh, you're taking it up, and uh, that's not the question that I saw. Because you can't be wrong. That happens. Copying, every time you copy, is a possibility to make a mistake. That's what this would be here. The mistake then is propagated. So most of these mistakes are bad. These are pretty finely tuned machines, right? You don't want to mess it up. Like here's a, here's a very simple example. There's a gene that controls one of the many genes that is important in language development in humans. It's called FOXP2, it doesn't matter. And in fact, there are people that are missing or have a mutation for that gene, and they don't speak very well. They, they have real trouble learning to speak. And you might think, well, maybe with genetic engineering we can fix that. Yeah, one day that'd be great. With CRISPR and all that kind of stuff, awesome. The problem is that FOXP2 also controls the number of digits you have on your hand. Now, with those people, because of the way the mutation is made, it only affects their language. But if you had another, if, like, other mutations could affect the number of digits you have in your hands or how your genitals develop, which is kind of important for reproduction. So one small mistake can be very bad. In fact, usually mistakes are lethal. So the, the resulting zygote when the sperm and the egg get together is, is not even viable. Spontaneous abortion, it just disappears. Some are neutral. Some are neutral. I mean, there's different alleles of the, we, we all we all have different alleles of different genes, and we're all here, so it's okay. A very small amount confirmed damage. It's very small, but something's confirmed damage. Okay. Okay. Next. How? So, what are your genes made out of? They're made out of DNA, and not just your genes. <laughs> 
here is you have, and I'm not going to ask you about CGTA. I'm not going to ask you how to how this works. We're not going to get into how this how copying genes works because that's not the point of the course. The important point here is that you have these things called base pairs, and they're basically here they are: adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine. Some of you are just da, 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 da. C always goes with G, and A always goes with T. We have, and this all genetics on Earth work like this. This is also how the genes work in SARS-CoV-2, except they're not DNA, they're RNA. Uh, this is how genes work in mushrooms and humans and black-capped chickadees and blades of grass, like in everything. It's all just CGTA. That's all it is. Okay, very cool. So what the genes do when the, the DNA splits apart is they code for proteins. All, everything we do is based on pro, gene expression of proteins. Isn't that wild? Like, all the behavior that I'm doing right now, it can be traced down to genes, gene expression by, by proteins expressing genes. Sorry, genes expression in proteins. That would be fascinating. Proteins expression. Everything we do. These are big biochemical machines. It's very cool. So DNA leads to RNA and RNA to proteins. And I know that's a simplification. Okay. And proteins are make our phenotype. Our outward characteristics. That's who we are. We are nothing more than a bunch of gene expression. But we're so much more at the same time, which is pretty cool. So the environment then will turn genes on or off. Now, some genes are more, are more affected by the environment. So let's, here's a good example. You look at color of your skin is, is a great one. Because as we all know, if you get a lot of sunlight, your skin color changes, right? It gets darker. Or for some of us, it just gets way redder. But the point is, your skin color changes. That's gene expression. That's ex expressing melanin. It's expressing uh, this gene melanin. The, the, this protein melanin is what gives your hair and uh, skin and uh, eyes color. Make you darker looking, make you browner, basically. Or again, for me, redder. Some things aren't affected by it at all, aren't affected by the environment, or hardly at all. Okay, so there's a, a gene in humans uh, that allows us to metabolize uh, phenylalanine, which is a amino acid. And if you don't have that gene and you eat things that have phenylalanine in them, you will, you know, it has profound cognitive effects. It used to be the number one cause of uh, cognitive disabilities in humans in the world. And it is still some places, but it's not anymore in sort of Western industrial life. Most places now, actually. You know why? When you get, have a baby, you have to stay in the hospital for 24 hours. Why you have to stay in the hospital 24 hours? So they can do a blood test on your kid to determine if your kid has that gene. Because if your kid has that gene, or like, has the bad allele, they just say, okay, here's the foods your kid can never eat. And the kid's fine. It's completely terrible, 
It also is completely affected by the environment, and we can, as long as we know how the environment affects it, we can make sure that somebody doesn't end up with a rather severe cognitive uh, deficiency. Some genes are affected a lot by the environment. Some genes aren't at all, really. Right? Some aren't at all. Okay. So let's use some examples. And I'm going to talk about myself because it's me. And I'm an expert on me. You can ask anything you'd like. So good reason. Um, so the phenotype is how you, like, how the proteins are expressed. What is the genotype? Your genes. Okay. Just your genes. And then also, yeah. how does it, how does the DNA get from the nucleus and then become mRNA and get to the ribosome? Uh, it travels down these uh, microtubules. It's, and frankly, beyond that, I don't. I, I personally don't know. That's not something I know about. Okay. I did know about it when I took genetics in graduate school. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It's not for our purposes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good questions. So to talk about the disorder that I have, which is ocular cutaneous albinism. There's a lot of kinds of albinism, but I have the kind I have, which is the most common kind. If you can call what I have common, I have the most common kind at least. So there's a single gene for the production of melanin. Now it's not, melanin's that I talk about pigment, it's not quite that simple. I'm saying it that way to simplify it. It's actually a gene, the gene I don't have or the allele I don't have is one for making an enzyme called tyrosinase. I don't have that. Oh, I make a protein. I make that enzyme. It's just a really, it's one that doesn't work. Okay, so I can't metabolize tyrosinase, and tyrosinase is a, or tyrosine, and I would use tyrosinase to break down the tyrosine to make melanin but I, I, I can't. So I try, my body tries, it just can't. It just says, it's, it's like my body, part of my body is saying, hey, we need uh, a hammer. And my, 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 my body looks back in the airport and goes, well, I, I've got a shovel. I didn't want a shovel. Well, that's all we got, man, plans for shovels. And in fact, with a shovel, you can still be in the nail. It's more like, and then my body says, I got, I don't know, I got some oranges. Like it's something that does nothing. So I'm calling it for production of melanin, but it's not quite that simple. But there is the, the allele that we're going to call it a normal allele, and I don't mind saying that I'm not normal. It doesn't bother me. I don't find it offensive. I'm not normal. I teach statistics. This is not the freaking norm. But you all have that. I get that. There's a dominance recessive relationship here such that these first three genotypes, big A, big A, big A, little A, or little A, big A, and all you have to know, realize is that typically, typically you have to say it usually the father's alleles are listed first, but as long as you're consistent, it could be the mother's or the father's, it doesn't matter. That's why I've got little A, big A, or big A, little A. That leads to a normal phenotype. The, this one here leads to me leads the phenotype I have. Okay? Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so 
That's my parrots. Hey, Dad. I miss you, buddy. Hey, Grandpa. Leslie? Yeah. Your grandpa, yeah. I lost my dad 15 years ago to a brain tumor, so I miss him every day. Yeah. But you can see them there as my mom and dad. That would have been, Jesus, about 20 years ago. The reason I'm using these pictures is we all took pictures for it was for my grandmother's 85th birthday. So I have pictures of all of this. That's why I'm using the same pictures, but they're obviously out of date. Well, partially because he's dead and she's pushing 80. Um, they have some variation of these. I don't know which, because why would they ever be tested for it? We know that because they're phenotypically normal. Right, you look at them and they have regular skin and hair pigmentation. So they're phenotypically normal, though there are things, and some of you may have heard this before, but there's a lot of reasons that my dad was not a normal person. <laughs> my, my dad had a heart attack, that's not what killed him. Uh, when he was 54, 52, and he drove himself to the hospital because that's the kind of guy my dad was. <laughs> Heart attack? Oh, I can drive. My mom couldn't drive, so my dad's like, yeah, I'll drive. What do you want to say, John? So, um, when you get a heart attack, yeah. you, you, you literally uh, fall to the ground. Uh, no, see, that's the thing. That's a good question, because when dad had his heart attack, uh, it wasn't like that. It was a mild heart attack, which yeah. is, I think, he had it the night before. He actually, I watched him have it, but I didn't know the heart attack. Yeah. He just said, like, really, that heartburn? Jesus, what do we have for dinner? Because when I was over visiting for... Uh, uh, for like Sunday dinner. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're usually overstaying your welcome or such. I don't think I overstayed because my parents have son. <laughs> yeah. My dad also did that. Yeah? Yeah. He's at my brother's hockey game. See, he's it's, watching it's, hockey. I think they would have got, got along well, is what I'm saying. Yeah. He has had three. Thankfully, he's still alive. But uh, yeah, he also has a pacemaker and stuff. Okay. So. He doesn't smoke or anything anymore, does he? No. He did. Well, my, no. Really? Maybe when he was like young. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but my doctor was like, oh, you should probably get tested to see if it is genetic, whatever heart condition yeah. he has. Okay. I don't know. Did you? See what happens. Not yet. Okay. We're going to see how it goes. For okay, good, good. good. Uh, by the way, if you're, if you're, we just take some bare wires and yeah, shot your back, you'll be fine. Um, yeah, so. There's a lot of things with my dad that were not normal. <laughs> but his scare, hair and skin and eye pigmentation was normal. So there's a one in four chance then they'd have a kid with little a, little a, because they could get big A, little a. They could have a kid. Remember, because they get, we get one of each, right? So the four possibilities then are those, because you only get one copy from each parent. So if that's the case, there's only a one in four chance of having me. Something like me. My genotype must be little a, little a, because we know there's no dominance, right? I'm the, I'm the one in the, in the middle, um, or in the left. Or the... Okay, probably over the A couple things there. First of all, that picture was taken here. This is it, right? Um, in about 1966, uh, we live here then, and uh, you know the apartment buildings across the Churchill Plaza on Lake Street? That's where we lived. They were extensive. They were just built. It's $94 a month for rent. My dad also told me, by the way, that cigarettes were 11 cents a pack, so it was a different time. But 
that's me just sitting there. No, notice, I don't know what's going on. I don't even think I know where to look. Because I'm like going, I can't see a goddamn thing. Also, notice I'm wearing glasses at the age of two. Uh, I had glasses when I was 18 months old, and I would, my, my, my sort of hobby apparently was taking them off, opening the screen door, and throwing them off the couch. Because <laughs> I was interested in gravity. I, I'm, that's what I'm going with. I've told my mother that she made me a scientist by, by that. So let's look at my brother and sister, Dan and Steph. They may be carriers, maybe they're not, we don't know. And their kids could actually carry the allele too. So there they are, this again, these are 20 year old pictures. So let's see, I went to her wedding just this summer and she got married last year. Uh, and both of them are completely like covered in tattoos now because she's a tattoo artist. So it's, you know, what we're talking about. Uh, and there's actually an extra one of these kids there. He lives in Toronto with his girlfriend and he's an engineer. <laughs> like I said, it's 20 years ago. The thing is, though, you, what you can see here, is my sister and my brother, you can actually see that phenotypically, they are normal, and I'm not. So we can infer that their genotype, their genotype, it must be in fact the case that they are carrying, or sorry, it could be the case they're carrying the gene, we don't know. They could be little a, big A, or big A, little a, we don't know. We don't know. Oops, go back. Sorry about that. So this picture here is us. That's him. Uh, 20 years ago. So you might say, Dave, what's going on there? Uh, I had more hair and I weighed about 45 pounds more than I do now. Maybe 50. Uh, but you can see that my two kids are phenotypically normal. Right? November 1st. There'll be a second Dr. Broadback, and she has her PhD role. Which means, by the way, it'll be a class that'll be canceled at the end of October because I'm going to her PhD role. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. I'm going to my kid's PhD role. Um, you can tell how long ago that is, I had a watch on. That's not a smartwatch. She may have taught some of you French. Anyway, point is, both my kids must have gone a little late for me. They must have. Because that's all I've got. And they must have had a big A from Isabel because if they didn't, they'd look like me. And luckily for them, they don't. So this is all fascinating. Yes, please. Will that little A continuously be passed down? Or is it, it could be. It, okay, so my daughter and my son both have it. If they have kids, yeah. it will be passed to their kids. Maybe there's a one in two chance because they got a big A from my wife. Okay. Right? So it becomes less likely. This is why something that's recessive like this is pretty, usually pretty rare. And the gene, it's, the allele itself is pretty rare, and why would it be rare? This is extreme, this is deleterious. Like, if I'm really at risk for skin cancer. Okay. I have no pigment in my skin. I just burn, and I, I got third degree burns from the sun, July 1st, 1976. Wow. Sorry, July 4th, 1976, Portland, Maine. Yeah. Wow. That was back when sunscreen wasn't something, and we were out at the beach, at America's Bicentennial. Yeah, that's a good idea, Mom and Dad. Let's go to the States when they're having their biggest celebration ever. Because there won't be any people. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing we could do. And I just get sunburns. But at that point, was, you, ever had sun, you ever had actual heat stroke? Were you hallucinate? Uh, not quite. Good times. Time. Really good times. I'm extremely careful in the sun. I wear 110 sunscreen. I didn't know they made that. Yeah. 
Oh, we don't need more now. It's down to 60. There's this new yeah. genus stuff. It's wonderful. But the 60s okay. That one time was better. Back then, it was like, what did we? What did people? Did they sell oil, like actual? They called it suntan oil. Yeah, I'm just going to put some vegetable oil on it. That should really protect me, or actually, literally cook me. The Maillard reaction, but on your arm. <laughs> so this is all physical. So let's talk about behavioral effects, because this is, of course, about behavior. So I don't spend much time in the sun. I can't. I mean, I can, but I get, I get ill and I get badly, badly burned. Uh, it takes about 15 minutes in regular sunlight to the summer from being in the sun. Without sunscreen. With sunscreen on, I can last a couple hours. Like, I can go for a bike ride and be up for two or three hours and come home. But, but I, the, it's kind of funny. I, I always can see where I missed a, a spot. Because it's like, oh, right there. Because <laughs> look, it feels like I'm on fire, this little streak right here. I have very poor vision. One of the things that melanin does is it guides the growth of the visual system. Melanin actually, because you, you probably know this, but the way that different cells get to different parts of your body when you're developing is through different chemical messengers, right? And one of those chemical messengers is melanin pigment, and it, it guides the cones in your eye to go to a fovea. So your eyes, wish I had my, I forgot my Apple Pencil thing in my office, and I'm like, I'm not gonna go back there again. So your eyes have a place where everything gets focused, right? So if this is your retina, you've got cones. Try to make cones here. All in, in the middle, basically. There's some over here, too. But they're mostly in here, in the middle, in the fovea. Mine don't do that. I have five cones. They're just randomly distributed throughout my retina. So I have, my, I have fewer pixels than you do. I have fewer pixels than you do. So I, don't, I also don't have binocular vision. I have monocular vision, so I don't have... So answer me this, you people with better eyes than I have, which is an easy thing to say for me. But does it work like this? Like when you look, like I'm looking at your water bottle. I can tell roughly how far away it must be because I know how far away my arm is, and I think it's probably one and a half. Yeah, so it must be about a meter away. You can do that without doing that, though, can't you? You can just sense how far away things are, right? Is that true? Like, you can look at something and go, that's a certain distance away? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't do that. Like, when you watch a 3D movie, does it feel like it's really 3D in front of you? Yeah? Sort of, yeah. That must be cool. <laughs> What's it like knowing how far away things are without having to do this? <laughs> must be grand. And then you're going to say, Dave, how can you ride a bike? Well, you know, the thing is, the, the, the lines on the road, if you just lean, are kind of like braille. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> but point is, uh, I don't have binocular vision. Uh, there's probably not enough people in here. When I'm in a bigger class, there's usually a couple other people don't have their own religion. It's a thing. It's, it's, a, it's common enough, but 3-4% of the population, maybe as high as 10%. But I don't have binocular vision. I can't, so I can't drive a car. I can't drive a car because I can't metabolize tyrosine. 
that's a pretty big behavioral effect of a single gene. Right? That's because I can't make an enzyme, I can't drive a car. My Formula One dreams are dashed. So 58 years old, so get into F1 now and make a mistake. Yes, John. So um, when the, when it comes to driving cars, I yeah. can't actually uh, drive one because yeah. I'm not really ready for that. No, I don't think that's right. And a lot of people aren't. Point is, I will never be ready. Yeah. And I'm not ready because of something I can't see well enough. Yeah. I will never pass the eye test. Yeah, neither will. No, I did pass the eye test. Your, eye, your eyes are fine. Oh, right. Well, yeah. with the glasses. The thing is, I can't drive a car which is complicated behavior. I can't do that because of a single gene. I'm not very good at baseball. Because I have to hit a ball. I can tell how far away the ball is. I have to see the ball. And I can't see the ball. I see it, but I see it too late. Like, oh, there it is. I go to the catcher's mitt. That's a little late for a swing. Everybody looks like a some fastball pitcher when they pitched him. Um, so all these things have affected my behavior. And it's a genetic reason for my behavior. Um, this is joke, obviously, though I'm kind of right. But the point here is that while my, I, I did well in school, I guess I was pretty good in school. But part of the reason I was good in school is because there were things I couldn't do as a kid. I tried. I tried stuff. I played hockey. I'm very good. I played hockey. I could skate, though, when I was tall. I played football. I'm very good, but I played football. I was big. I was this size when I was 14. So football coaches are like, okay, you want to because I'm bigger than most 14-year-olds. Um, but I couldn't do anything with involved involving catch. I actually can catch a ball. Explaining my vision to somebody is very difficult because my retina looks like this. It's just random. I see the way you see at night. You know how you have less detail at night? Yeah. That's how I see you today. At night, I see almost like you do. And that's why people say, my, 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 if my uncle were here right now, he will say, he would say, you know, he sees better at night than anybody else. And I was like, no, I don't, Drew. I called by just his first name because he's like only seven years old. He's like an older brother. Uh, and I said, no, that's not true. I just see closer to normal. You're used to me doing this. I don't have to do that as much at night. So at night, I see closer to normal. But I, the level of detail I see is the same as you see at night, basically. So it's not like things are, and at night, are things blurry? No, they're just not there. There's detail in this hand. I don't have as many pixels as you do. You are watching 4K TVs, and I am watching a little tiny LCD, no, not even that. I'm watching a little CRT TV with four, I'm watching 480p. 480i. I'm like 320p on YouTube. You know when you get the really bad connection? That's what I'm watching. Okay. You buggers have like 8k eyes. I have cataract in both eyes. So, so okay. <laughs> so for you, it's more like this. It's like somebody's just kind of put something in front of your eyes. It's like clouds. Or clouds, yeah. That are constantly there. Yeah, I, I had when I had the eye infection a few years ago. I had that. It's it's not pleasant. Yeah. Think about your eyes. Kind of important for the seeing. So, but that's why it can affect me. Now, what, as I jokingly say, this huge IQ, uh, which is you know, not entirely a joke, but uh, 
I did a lot of studying for fun as a kid because there were things I couldn't do well. Like I did, I played hockey because every kid in Sudbury played hockey. It's the law. As a young boy in 1976, you play hockey. And I can skate, but like I said, I was big. But I'm pretty good. There's a lot of things I didn't do because I couldn't do I can't keep that position. So the point is, I studied a lot. I read the encyclopedia as a kid because, okay. I read the dictionary because this is there. I just read stuff. So I got really interested in being sort of academic. And I would just learn and read because I could do that. It was easy. So I think part of the reason that I ended up doing what I do is because of this too. I have no evidence of that. Whereas those are all because of so this is a point where I will often ask because people have questions about my condition and I, I am completely open to answering any questions. Do you have any questions about my albinism? If you think of any later, you can ask me some other time too if you want. I just thought it's a good time. For, um, what about peripheral vision? Ah, my peripheral vision is in color. Yours is in black and white. That's why I want a superpower. Because... Yes, it is. You don't realize your peripheral vision is in black and white. It's in black and white. Yeah, because look at the way you're. You're gonna pretend that's another fovea. So here's your fovea with your your cones. You don't have cones out here. You got rods. So if I was to put something 180 degrees, 175 degrees, just in your field of view, but you can't really. I want I have you look straight ahead in a completely black room and I put a light on it, it doesn't throw a lot of light. So I don't want you seeing that you see a bunch of green up here. You can do this, by the way. Do this once, you, once you're gonna be setting up Christmas tree lights. Or Christmas, this is, some, this is the one time you can have different colored lights and they don't throw a whole bunch of light. Put one way over here, one way over here, and have you, you gotta have a confederate to help you. And just say, turn on or turn, don't turn on. And then you'll be great at saying yes or no, the light's on. You'll be at literal random chance at the color. You have to keep staring ahead though, you can't take a look. We think it's in color because we look as soon as we notice something. Please. Does your brain kind of fill in, uh, sort of? Um, yeah. Like, yeah. What happens is your brain will fill that in. With color. Yeah. My brain doesn't need to. Because you have. Because I have color. I have cones. I have rods and cones equally distributed in my eyes. So my peripheral vision is actually color. That's interesting. Yeah, it's wild. Right? So I, I so I that's so it's the world's worst superpower, right? <laughs> I can't fly. Like, it's hard to fight crime by just going, well, you're green. <laughs> you're green, yes. <laughs> Unless I'm going against the green goblin or something like that. So, and yeah, my brain actually, interestingly enough, my, <laughs> my, my, uh, my occipital lobe, which does vision, is wired funny. My eyes, the other thing that the, that the uh, melanin does is it, guides the growth of the uh, optic nerve. And you know how your optic nerves cross like that? Yeah, your optic nerves cross, suckers. Mine goes straight back. I don't know what it is, it's weird is what it is. I'd love to see what, what, what my brain does on MRI. I've always waited to, you know, hopefully one day I'll get really sick and they put me on MRI. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what my brain's doing. Also, my eyes shake back and forth because my visual system didn't develop properly, so what happens is they're constantly trying to focus, but they can't. Yeah. 
but the world isn't shaking. It's right in by my brain, which is nothing makes my vision worse. Yes. I have a friend who, whose eyes do that, and it's very noticeable. I didn't notice it when speaking with you at all. I haven't asked him why. Is uh, there, could there be other reasons? Yeah, why? he probably has uh, ocular albinism or ocular containment. Is he a bad eyes? Like, does he not see well? Uh, I don't know. He plays piano very well. Yeah, but I, 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 I rode a bike. I, I, he can read music and all that stuff, though. Yeah, I was able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'll ask him. Yeah, I bet his eyes aren't great. But yeah, I may be wrong. But yeah, my eyes just shake back and forth. Unless my wife tells me, unless I'm very, very high. <laughs> then they're, they're straight ahead. <laughs> She's like, I can tell that you've, uh, you're stoned, right? I do not believe so. <laughs> Are there any other questions about my weird condition? Because if you have them, well, you, you can ask one. You can ask any time. So go um, you can barely see because of the way you're blind. Yeah, but I, and the blindness comes from this. Uh, yeah. Yes, and it's a single gene. The important thing to note here is the single gene is affecting a lot of things in my behavior. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Um, because like you don't have binocular vision and like your depth perception is. Don't have any. Yeah. Does it like also affect like, your ability to like understand speed, like the speed of which they, like objects move and stuff? That's a good question. That's actually a really good question. I do it differently than you do. So I do it by binocular depth cues, by how quickly something is coming out, something right. like that. But I can still do it. Like I can still catch a baseball. I, I can play catch. I can catch a baseball and throw it, and or a football. I can play something like tennis, not well. I can play baseball, not well, but I can do it. But I'm better at playing like softball, actual baseball. Somebody throwing like an 80, 80 or 90 mile an hour pitch, it just goes right by me. I'm just going, oh, well, I guess I can guess, or I'll just stand here and hope for a walk. Uh, you know. Uh, but I mean, I, I played hockey, like I said, when I played hockey, and I played, when I played ball hockey when I was, as an adult, when I was in grad school, I, I'm legally blind, right? And I played goalie. And I'm, I'm in decent shape, so, and I, I know enough about hockey to know where, th to know his left because he's rolling. I know where the ball, in the case of ball hockey, or the puck should be by looking at the game. And there was nothing better than making a glove save without seeing the ball coming. But you just know, you put your hand and catch it, and the best thing was my brother, we played together. My brother always looked at the guy on the other team and go, that's my brother in that. And he's like, oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, he knows he's blind. <laughs> that's it. That guy is screwed for the rest of the game. He's like, the blind guy made a glove save. What? But yeah, the death perception thing's funny. Sometimes it doesn't happen much, but now and then I'll miss when I go to grab something. Uh, well, I used to smoke, and sometimes I'd... Oh, there it is. <laughs> like, I'd miss where I put the lighter, things like that. All right, so that's a human example. Let's talk about some non-human stuff. It's supposed to be animal behavior as it is. Let's talk about partial dominance in some frogs. These are two, these are two different, oh no, what I'm saying, that's not the frogs yet. These are, these are crickets. Um, this is call, mating calls in two kinds of crickets. Doesn't matter what the species names are. There's two kinds of crickets. But they're closely enough related that you can actually crossbreed them. And you can do that with a lot of animals that are closely related. You can crossbreed them. You often get non, um, like you get sterile young. So if you get a, uh, let's see, a donkey and a horse, you get a mule, but you can't breed mules. You get a tiger, 
And a lion and a tiger, you get a liger. Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, liger. Uh, they're, but they're sterile. Same thing would happen here, but you can make, call it a, make these two and get something in between. Now, males call to attract females the same way that happens in birds and whales. A lot of other animals, whales, dolphins. So the males make a call and it attracts the females. That's the function of it. Now, the, the song that they make is species specific. And I know all crickets sound the same, but they don't do crickets. Right? They don't do crickets. Is it actually cooling down here, or are we all just getting used to it? We're getting used to it. Who thinks we're getting used to it? Who thinks it's cooling down? I think it's cooled down. You voted twice. Can we put <laughs> the the? We can prove this. Like seventy-nine. It's gone down one degree Fahrenheit. I doubt we can detect that. I think we're getting used to it. Okay. Thank you for pointing that out. It's supposed to be a scientist. Yes that the song is species-specific. So when you cross the two, what do you get? The male hybrids produce a hybrid song. So it's a song part between the two. And the females that are, that are produced prefer the hybrid song. And that should tell you that the production of song and the reception of song is controlled by the same system. And it does one thing for females and one thing for males. And that's really neat. And that's called partial dominance because we know, it's, we know it's a single gene. If it was dominance, it would just, one of the songs would be preferred and one would be played more. Yes, John? So on the topic you were talking about, yes. the uh, male hybrids produce a hybrid song. That's right. reminiscent to the uh, sirens and the mermaids themselves. It's kind of like that. So it's, when you think about something like, well, mermaids, the sirens, right? In Greek yeah. mythology, they, make, they made a sound to attract sailors. What happens in nature is that birds sing, males sing to attract females. That's one of the functions. And most songbirds, the only, only the males sing. Some females sing as well, in some birds. Another great example are hamsters. These are, uh, it's not the hamsters not named Martin Ralph, that's Martin Ralph. Marty was on my PhD committee. Uh, Marty was doing research on hamsters, he was breeding them, and then it turned out that he made hamsters that didn't have 24-hour clocks. It, and it's, it's completely a mutation. It's a gene that he discovered, he called it the tau gene. So you get, if they have this, they have a 24-hour cycle, big, two big T's. Two little T's, a 20-hour cycle. And something in between gives them a 22-hour cycle. Yeah. That's cool. Marty Ralph, yeah. There are people like talking about that right now in relation to dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah. So those, yes. Marty, Marty's, um, Marty's smart. He was on, like I said, he was on my PhD, I, I think. So, point of this is that these are only in the wild. Uh, no, sorry, only in the lab. This thing would, they would get killed in the wild. Because in the wild, they start waking up. Hamsters are nocturnal. They live in the but they start being active in the day eventually because the days are more than, are 20 hours long, they're 24 hours long, and they just get Hamsters being out uh, in, hamsters come from like dry regions, places like the Gobi Desert in Mongolia. Walking around the desert as a little mammal, walking around is basically 
prey, birds of prey are going, oh, look, it's an all-you-can-eat hamster buffet. So they begin. Pretty cool. The interesting thing about these mutant hamsters is that it's a single gene effect, and it affects brain development and affects a very specific part of the brain, the SCN. You can actually take the SCN out of the hamster, or out of you, I'm not going to do that being very mean. And I can then put, I, would, I don't really know exactly how to do it for a person either, but when you take it out and you put it in a petri dish, it pulses like a clock. It's a clock. So you can actually, this is one of the few things you can do with brain transplanting. You can take the SCN out of a wild type, that's a 24-hour one, and put it in a mutant one, and then suddenly they're fine as far as their timing goes. The thing is, remember I said single genes have many effects? There's all kinds of cognitive effects here too. They, it messes up their ability to, to run mazes properly, for example. So it's not just, it's not just the timing that gets messed up, it's other stuff too. Okay, let's talk a little bit about fruit flies, which are much smaller than that. That's not actual size, good thing they're not that big. Because oh. that'd, be, that'd be terrifying. There used to be bugs that big, well before there were people, and there was a lot more oxygen in the atmosphere. They're basically considered kind of like the white rat of genetics. They are, they, what the, it's easy, there are techniques that have been developed that make it very easy to, to do point mutations on single genes. And then again, those of you who've taken genetics probably learned all about this stuff. These techniques, by the way, many of them developed by David Suzuki, back when he was a geneticist. So here's some, they have great names. When people discovered this, people just started going, let's see what happens when we blow it this way. And you find it with gene. So the first one we're going to talk about is one called dunce. You know, dunce means stupid, right? You say, how do we know there's stupid fruit flies? Well, it's pretty easy. You take some fruit flies, you put them in a jar, and you put a little prod, like a little metal piece of metal in there that has, a, that, that has electric current running through it. Fly land, flies land on those once. And I don't mean because it kills them, I mean because they land and go, ouch! And they just don't go back there. Not these guys. They land on them and go, whoa, that hurt! Well, well, fly around and go, oh, I should probably land back there. Holy shit, that hurt! Oh, well, oh, I'm getting tired. I should probably land on that thing. It looks good. Whoa! I should make him sound dumb. I don't know, maybe I'll land on there. Make him sound like the father of the Berenstain Bears. I don't know. Hate that show. Anyway, that's the dunce gene. Whoops. Amnesia. Wait, 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 what do you mean amnesia? Well, these ones can learn to not land on a little shark prod, but then 15 seconds later, they land on it again. So for 15 seconds, they're like, oh, I'm not going back there, man. It is, it's, uh, what are those places like? They'll land there. Oh, geez, that happened again. Oh, I wonder. Oh, I'm never going back there. Wow. You seen that thing over there? Should we land on it? You know what it does in here? They're, they're, they got amnesia. By the way, your top fruit flies don't speak English like that. That's me embellishing. And I know you. Stuck. Stuck. You're going to say, what happens with them when the shark brought? Nothing. This is when a, a daddy fly and a mummy fly really like each other and had a couple of drinks. And they start mating, and they can't get pulled apart. The male's uh, ovipositor, no, 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 ovipositor, uh, 
like his sperm depositing unit, it's got a name, I forget, it's a metaphor, uh, gets caught inside the female. And you might think, well, obviously, what's this? Well, this is different. This is the guy, the guy pulls out. That's what it is. So they mate, but before depositing his sperm, he pulls out and deposits his sperm somewhere else. And I'm not getting into fly porn or anything, so we're not talking anymore about that. <laughs> and this sounds like it has something to do with sex, but it's not. Bang sensitive ones are ones that when you put them in a, in a dish, like a petri, not a petri dish, but a, a beaker or a, or a test tube, and you bang the test tube, it stuns them. And for about 30 seconds, they're unconscious. Unconscious isn't a great word, because I'm not flies are conscious, but whatever, you know what I mean. So what happens is they collapse. And they wake up going, what happened there? And the other ones are just flying around going, I don't know, that giant just hit the side of the world again. Here's my favorite. I think we all have a favorite Drosophila mutation. No, probably not. Uh, and this was called PER. And it stands for periodicity. This one affects how they keep track of time. Local time, quick time, like things like uh, timing for doing meeting dances properly, doing things for the right amount of time. Uh, but also affects day-to-day -day timing, like 24-hour circadian timing. Oh, didn't we just talk about so, yeah, yeah, with those hamsters? So let's take a look at the gene. Is the gene similar? If you take a look at the order of base pairs, C, G, A, T, in this allele, this gene for the, the bang-sensitive one, sorry, the per gene, and the tau gene in hamsters, they are 99% exactly the same. They are almost exactly the same gene. When evolution figures something out, it gets, it stays around. And I should also tell you that, what do you think the common ancestor of the fruit fly and the hamster is? I don't know what it is, but it was a long time ago. So we could probably look for other animal, other things that have day-night cycles and look at the gene that controls that. And when we do, we look at like really simple things like slime molds that have 24-hour cycles of how they grow. It's the same gene. Same gene. Cool, right? Like that's neat. So why are there different alleles? It seems kind of crazy, right? Because some are good, some are bad. Why would we have different ones? Why would that have survived? And wouldn't a good one replace all the others? So that's a good question you can ask. Um, there's a lot of possibilities here. A couple other questions, then we'll go to some possible answers. Are there neutral alleles? Oh, certainly. Does it affect, like within reason, the color of your hair, for example? doesn't affect a whole lot of anything. It may affect some things a little bit, so let's go with something more, a little less, I don't know, outward. Size of your earlobes, there you go. The like area of your earlobe. That's gonna be controlled somewhat genetically. It's unless, like it's giant, what's with your giant earlobes? <laughs> My grade 12 chemistry teacher had an earlobe. I don't know, they were very big, and you could put a lot of earrings if you wanted to. 
It was 1982, and men didn't wear lots of earrings and many giant earlobes back then. But the point is, it's pretty neutral. So, first of all, this, why would this happen? Well, there's environmental fluctuations, so it's kind of a hedge against what could happen in the future. And you would expect that any animal that evolves in a place where there's a lot of environmental fluctuation is going to have a lot of difference, differences between individuals. Look at us. Look at how different we all look. Like, we all look really different. He shares half my genes, he doesn't look like. Oh, he looks enough by the guy, but not completely. Huh, that's wild. And we're incredibly inbred humans, right? So, but we live everywhere. Makes sense, a lot of environmental fluctuation, right? So if you had no environmental fluctuation, you might solve the problem of what it's like to live right here. You would expect very little variation. And there are animals that have very little variation at all. In fact, the Arizona whiptail lizard doesn't even have males, just females. Parthenogenesis, they just lay eggs. All the daughters are clones of the moms. They're all basically clones of each other. But they live in the desert of Arizona. It's a pretty stable environment. It's hot and dry. And things don't change much. So they're fine. You know the cool thing is? Arizona whiptail lizards evolved from a sexually reproducing species. Evolved from a... And you know why we know that? Because you know how, how one Arizona, how, you know what makes an Arizona whiptail lizard lay eggs? Another, one female mounts the other one and simulates copulation and then she lays an egg. That's, that's weird. Yeah, it's, well, it's because the, the sexual behavior's still there. It's just not sexual reproduction. Interesting. Wow. Right? So we know they must have evolved from that. Yeah. Okay. There's also something called heterozygote superiority, and you think, well, that seems kind of weird. Well, if you've got, it's not great for individuals, but over the long term it's good because you can produce different kinds of young. So if there's a, like different phenotypes, then genotypes, then phenotypes. So if that's the case, that's the case, the young are going to be varied. So if the environment changes, good chance of your young, one, at least one of your young survive. There's also something called frequency-dependent selection. So sometimes one kind of allele is good, but only if it's rare. Only if it's rare. So there's kind of a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fish. There's a lot of different fish where the females. Um, Oh, fish typically. Females lay their eggs, males come along, drop their sperm on it, it's all good. And there's a whole mating dance, and the flickets that they pair up, and then the female deposits her eggs, and the male deposits the sperm on it. Wouldn't it be great if you could be around all the females and be right there if you were male when they laid their eggs, and then they don't get to make a choice, you just put your sperm all over because you're male? It, it's, it's, a, it's not a, it doesn't sound pleasant. Remember, this isn't morality. We don't want to be judging the morality of fish. <laughs> that fish sexually assaulted the other fish. No, they're fish. What that fish did was it did a, what's called, there's a couple ways to call it, one of them is sneak copulation. So what happens is there are males that look like females. They're smaller, they're colored differently. 
they, I don't know, do other girly things? Some of the textbooks might be sneakers. Yeah, they're sneakers. Yeah, and in the, in the literature, you'll even hear them called sneaky fuckers. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm dead serious. Like, I, I'm not just saying, oh boy, it's a fucking class. Uh, they really, seriously, you'll hear them called sneaky fuckers, which is hilarious. Um, usually, you just hear people say it, you don't see it written down, but I have seen it written down at least once. That only works if it's rare. If all the males are like that, the females will quickly evolve a defense going, you're not a girl. Frequency dependent. Uh, people have said that psych psychopathy is probably frequency dependent selection. Most people, we trust each other, right? Even if you've just met somebody. If somebody in class right now sitting beside you who've never met said, oh, shit, my camera, can I borrow your pen? You go, yeah, sure. And you know what a psychopath does? They never give you the pen back. <laughs> That's why I never say to somebody, can I borrow a pen? I say, can I have that? Because <laughs> I'm never giving it back. It's a pen. Unless it's like a nice fountain pen or something. Then I go, how do you write with this? I'm covered in ink. Like a big pen. My favorite one is, can I borrow a piece of paper? Oh, or am I going to get it back when you're done with it? Anyway, but a, a psychopath takes advantage of that, right? But that only works if there's very few psychopaths. If we were all psychopaths, first of all, the world would be probably a much worse place. But secondly, we would know we'd be no trusting each other at all. So it only works when it's rare. So sometimes things work like that. And of course, just mutation. We get different, you know, alleles because we have different, because we make bad copies. Okay, so what does this all mean? Yeah, we can finish this today. Oh yeah, we're good. Yeah, because that clock's off a little bit. So what does a gene for behavior mean? It means a, it means a behavioral difference caused by a genetic difference, but remember, I'm talking about groups. I'm not talking about individuals here. Um, it doesn't mean that a complex behavior sequence is caused by a single gene. So as much as I can say that I can't drive because of my vision, that's just the one thing I can't do. It's not like it affects all my abilities to do other driving things, right? So a lot of genes cause behavior. What this is basically saying is some difference must be caused by a genetic difference. So there must be some overlap between genes and some characteristic. Just because something has a genetic basis doesn't make it unchangeable. This is the biggest thing that people who don't understand this stuff latch onto immediately. Are you saying that we shouldn't have any social programs to help people because of genetics? I, I've heard people say that to me. And I look at them and I say, are you stupid or just an idiot? Because I didn't say that. And things just because they're genetically controlled doesn't mean they can't be changed. There are people who have vision exactly like mine, who have a dog and walk with a cane. And that, by the way, is fine. I'm not criticizing them in any way. My parents brought me up to say, let's see what you can do. And you'll probably fall on your face a few times. But, you know, it'll work out better for you. So that's when, so I ride a bike and do all kinds of other stupid things. Right, doesn't think many things are unchangeable. I'm still never driving a car. Even, by the way, I think I actually can take a test, a driving test, where these things that go on, like they're huge magnifiers that go on my glasses. 
I would not feel comfortable driving my family around wearing look like night vision goggles. Like bubbles? No, they're, they're big scopes. Oh. They actually get attached to your glasses. So most people just have a set pair of glasses and they just go right on. And the thing is, and people do drive with them. But how would you feel if you saw me driving by and then I looked over at you and I'm wearing these weird goggles? I'd be freaking out the whole way that I'm not doing that. So the important thing I want you to remember is, well, your genotype's important and it affects your phenotype and development is basically your phenotype unfolding because of your genotype. Genotype is not phenotype. So just because you can say someone has X set of genes, you can't, and this, this somewhat is any animal when you plant. You can't, you can make guesses about individuals like them. You can't talk about individuals and say, because this is your genotype, this is who you are, if you're a dog or a person. It's just like people say, you know, my pit bull's really nice, and it probably is. But most pit bulls on average asshole dogs that kill because they were bred to be weapons. Right? But I know people with pit bulls who have really nice dogs that I've played with, but been frightened of the whole time. I'm just gonna get that out there. All right. So I think we're just about, no, look at that, 10 seconds over. Uh, so if there's any questions, we'll email them to me because you probably all wanna go home. Uh, on that note, I will see you next time.
So thanks for listening uh, to the lecture. Uh, I hope you got something out of it, as I noted in the intro. Um, these are copyrighted, uh, share like 3.0 Canada, uh, some rights reserved, so you can redistribute this all you want, but if you redistribute it, uh, you can't make any money off of it. Uh, and also, uh, if you mash it up, I get to mash up your stuff. Uh, most of the mu the vast majority of the music I found was on an old website called GarageBand, which doesn't exist anymore. And that was called PodSafe Music. So this is all music that I have, uh, that it's perfectly reasonable to, uh, put on these podcasts. Uh, if you are interested, I can oftentimes find the, the name of the band. The name of the band will be listed in the post. And uh, go look these bands up and, and buy their music. Because um, if they're cool enough to let me use this, you should be cool enough to pay 99 cents or whatever to buy one of their songs. Uh, on that note, I will see you next time.